Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Draft week, real draft week. Well, already a terrible start because our drafts are pretty real. NFL draft week is all I needed. Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst with you Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. Excited about round one and beyond of this draft. And there's a lot that matters in the beyond here. And we'll break some of that down and as much as we can with our friend Sigmund Bloom. Most fantasy, avid fantasy players are aware of Sigmund. And he's been good enough to give us his time tonight. So uh, we'll talk about the draft, of course, and his fancy, awesome pre-draft Bloom 100. Adam, defensive players, just, you know, be uh, be on. (laughs) IDP, let's go, Sig. Okay. We've got some IDPs in here. We'll see if that comes up. But I want to get everybody as prepared as possible uh, for Thursday night and hopefully entertain you along the way. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, soon to be joined by Sigmund Bloom. Welcome to our show. This is The Deep End. So I guess yeah. we both took a few steps, you know, deeper into the deep end here with leagues we signed up for in the last couple of days. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I got the mic here. No, uh, of course, everyone's it's clamor. Everyone's clamoring. Yo, why is the mic in front of Adam's mouth? That's what everyone's talking about right now. It? And I'm, it's because Sigmund Bloom is coming on the show. And I feel <laughs> like when Sig's on, you got to show the mic. So that's what I'm doing. It's an homage. Um, it actually probably helps us both a lot. Oh yeah. Cause I'm For in sure. my basement and I'm usually sort of back here. What I'm doing is not because of Sigmund, but I like the, the thinking. Uh, yeah. It's just, it sounds more cavernous. You know, when I start to listen to our show, I feel, I feel like I'm in a big room alone. And so you got to get closer to the mic. Yeah. And I'm normally in the basement. I'm upstairs today. The basement is un- unavailable. So, um, but, but yes, I dove into some, uh, you know, it's one of those, the draft's getting closer. It's time to start focusing on the big league. You know, me, the NFL draft's wonderful. I love it. I love doing the rookie profiles and stuff like that. But um, I just want it to be over so we, I can start drafting with a, with a purpose. <laughs> you know, I need to, I need to draft with, with, with the, the purpose. And I feel, because I feel like now you're drafting, you're just like, yeah, I wonder if this happens. I hope this happens. What if that happens? No, I want to have a purpose here. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm drafting with, uh, with that in mind. So I, I, I registered for some, for some leagues here over at the FFPC, you know, my old stopping grounds. And it's, uh, I'm in the $3,000 auction Whoa. Friday, 9am. I mean, that's going to be, you know, after the Thursday night game. So that'll be fun. Um, so Friday, 9am, the $3,000 auction. That's, that, that's full. I would invite people to join, but that is full chalk full of the who's who. Um, you, you played in that last year, right? That yes, last year it was a $2,500 auction. Now it's 3000. I'm not sure the prize pool went up. <laughs> I think it's inflation, hmm. but we'll see. Um, and then I'm in the 3k varsity that is on, uh, that's on two. So that's, so that's not in Vegas. That's, that's Tuesday night. That's a new one. That's Tuesday at 9 PM. So I fly out bright and early Wednesday, but Tuesday night I'll be doing the 3k varsity online. Um, and then I'm going to do the Saturday 5 PM 3k uh, uh, number two varsity and then the 5k big payback Friday at 1 30 
So get a, get a little lunch. You wow. know what I mean? You just put $14,000 down on four drafts. That's it. Listen, someone, someone's got to put my kids through private school. So I might have, might as well be me. <laughs> yes. That's the recommended path, by the That's way. That's what they tell you. You want to put your kids through school, fantasy football, baby. That's the way. Well, That's it. The, the best thing about that is like, we all love to draft so much. And so you're drafting, drafting, drafting and all that money. It's a 125 here, 20 best ball mania teams for 200 there. And or whatever that is, actually, it's more than that. They're 25s, I think. It just piles up and piles up. This is more discipline. I mean, you're drafting too, but whatever you have in terms of a budget, that's where, I mean, those are not tournaments. Those are concentrated leagues with big payouts, you know, for the playoff teams and the winner. So um, I think money management-wise, that's the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, you got, so me, I, I have a diverse part portfolio. I like to do a little, I say a little bit. I like to do a lot of bit of both. So I'll, you know, I've got two main events in Vegas as well that I'll be doing. I have, I have co-owners with those as well. So they'll help me fill in, you know, because some of them are kind of overlap. Some of the drafts overlap. So, uh, but yeah, no, exactly. It's, it, and I would have, you know, I did the, uh, did the 5k last year. That was my biggest entry I'd, I'd ever done. I'm not going up to the 10k this year. I'm not. I didn't have the year last year that I was hoping for to be able to do the 10K. So I'm going to go back to the fives and the threes this year. I would have won the 5K last year if it wasn't for, well, not would have. I probably would have won if it wasn't for the Monday Night Bills Bengals fiasco. Oh, but wow. um, I, needed, I needed 17 from T, from T Higgins. So I can't say I would have won, but, you know, it was there. It was there for the taking. Didn't he score the touchdown for Cincinnati? No, that was Boyd. Boyd, Boyd scored the that. Yep. But Higgins. If he scored, Mike, if Higgins he was for that touchdown, I would have been beside myself. <laughs> well, he, he was on his way. In fact, Higgins is the player that yes. Hamlin ran tackles. into. Yep, yep, yep. So, so, yeah, I mean, all of us have some sort of story from, from uh, the way last year ended. I had not confessed to you uh-oh. that Vegas was less than 100% for me. Until but, just um, recently? Yeah, it happened the way it happened last year, which was... I was pretty buzzed at the end of a weekend night. I'm like, I'm going, I belong there. That's right. <laughs> you know, so you do belong there. Alcohol, you know, it's, there are a lot of negatives, <laughs> but uh, sometimes it sort of relaxes you. And sure. I tend to be anxious about traveling. And so I don't know if I want to go. It's more just sort of like the scared kid in me is sort of like that for different reasons, but then loosen up a little bit. Like if I belong there. Of course, bare knuckle. We're going three years in a row. Yeah. So uh, back in the bare knuckle, Adam. After, uh, once again at that party, I'll just be walking around like a zombie trying to memorize the kickers. Pacing. That's right. Pacing. <laughs> talking about the kick. Listen, one year, one year we'll just make a week. We'll just drive out there. I love road, road trips. We're gonna go through Canton. You know what I mean. We're gonna drive right through Canton. Say <laughs> say bye to the expo and just just head, going out to Vegas for a month. Head right out there. You know, but uh, I, I would find that drive a little, little, little Route 66. That's that, that's the deep end. Driving love, out to Vegas. I love that. I mean, I love those drives too. I mean, I, family trips to Florida. I went in my car a few times. Just yeah. like the solitude of it. You know, I asked a lot from my my wife, but um, I do I do love that too. Well, the draft. So we've got Sigmund Bloom coming in soon. Before we. Uh, bring him on and start start to uh, sink our teeth into this. Let's um, first, Mike Shope, Adam Crotworst here on the deep end. Let's take a word and thank our sponsors. 
You know, people always ask me, hey, what is the, the World Series of Fantasy or the Super Bowl of Fantasy Football? And it's easy. It's the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. It's a $6 million prize pool. And they've had their never-too-early best ball leagues cranking since February. And so the FFPC is the answer to so many questions. Hey, hey, where's the best place to get a dynasty orphan? Well, you can adopt a dynasty orphan at the FFPC. That's why we partner with them. If you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, seasonal, best ball, dynasty, go to the FFPC. And don't forget, promo code UNDERWORLD to get you $25 off your first team. $25 off your first team, no matter what team it is, no matter what format it is, at the FFPC. Go do it. That was us taking a word from our sponsors or whatever, however it is I put it before you we went to uh, a quick timeout. You can follow us on Twitter at DeepEndFF1 and click the subscribe button to follow our show and listen to it on iTunes or on Spotify. That helps us a lot and also helps, as you might hear on other podcasts all the time, it helps uh, more people to find us. So that would be appreciated. Adam, so um, Thursday night, what's your draft ritual? I think uh, I think I know, but how do you spend draft weekend? Yeah, it's been, um, you know, I kind of have done a little bit different every year for the last, you know, however long. Uh, the, the first draft I remember is, uh, you know, being a young Bills fan and the Bills drafting John Fina over Carl Pickens. That's the first draft. <laughs> Uh, whatever year that was. What year was that? 92, 91, 90, somewhere, oh, somewhere in there. Later, 93, I okay. say, maybe. So that was with uh, some family. And then I went to a couple drafts in the early 2000s, went to the Mike Williams Bills offensive lineman over DeBrickashaw Ferguson disaster. I think it was DeBrickashaw Ferguson was the other lineman they should have taken. And then I went to the next one when the Bills took Willis McGahee. Uh, when they already had Travis Henry and, and anyway, so I've, I've been to the draft. I've been following the draft, obviously my whole life, but the last couple of years I've hung out with um, some guys here in Rochester, usually I hang out with the draft sharks guys the last couple of years. Uh, and I think I'm going to do, end up doing that again because they're all from Rochester. I'm in Rochester. So why not? Why not get together with those guys? So we'll get together and, and just yuck it up and root for our teams and look for the good landing spots and have a, have a good time. Well, what about you? Well, I'll, I'm usually working at WGR during the day, but I like to go out at night. I mean, there's so much energy when you're out for the draft. You know, most bars with Bills fans around are pretty, you know, jamming, and I sort of like that. Uh, first pick I remember is Kelly. In 83, I was at the bus stop. My mom yelled out the door as I was getting on the bus. that They were that they drafted Jim Kelly. And so, and you say oh, that you're just yeah. like ready for it to be over. I, I could go for another month. I think with all speculation and just every, all the different, the day to day, uh, the news cycles and the rumors and everything. Cause I think once it settles Sunday will be for it's starting some dynasty drafts. Yes. Which is great. Sunday will be for like uh, just sort of settling down, relaxing, taking stock of it. And then next week will feel really like the off season. You know, they say the NFL is no off season, but it's kind of at least after the schedule, which is another week and a half after the draft, then uh, it gets pretty dry. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm preparing to be sort of bored or like just sort of unsure of myself uh, next week. 
after this is all over. Well, I am very excited also on Adam's behalf to welcome Sigmund Bloom to our show, The Deep End. I feel like I've known Sigmund a long time. We've never actually met, but we've talked like this a handful of times. And I just want to say first, this guy, everybody loves Sigmund. He really has had an important role in my life because I've been doing sports radio for 25 years. And it's often, not that this is all bad, but it's often rooted in negativity and controversy. And, you know, it's just how it is. And when I started to tap into fantasy a little bit, again, after I had left it, Sigmund was one of the first guys that I ended up meeting through radio and so positive. I mean, just this relaxed Zen-like sort of thing and how positive the fantasy community is. And I feel like I've changed as a broadcaster these, these few years. And Sigmund, I think I owe a lot of that to you. Oh, well, my blood type is be positive. <laughs> destiny. No, really, I think that, I mean, I like to say positivity is its own reward, negativity is its own punishment, you know. And I, 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 I mean, hey, I, I'm, I, I'm speechless because I feel so fortunate. I feel so grateful for the, the chance to get to do this as my bargain with the world so I can exist in 2023, the United States. And I, I think that all, uh, all of us that have sought this out in one way or another, we love attention, right? I mean, we get one of our main psychological needs met just by doing this, at least the illusion that someone's paying attention to what we're saying, <laughs> right? And then we get to call it our job and we get people to say nice things about us like you just did. So I love it. And I always tell the story, Mike, about how when we first uh, talked on the air, you're like, yeah, fantasy. Mm. And I think within two or three years, you were this app, the draft dominator. And what are you going <laughs> to do? When are you going to take this player? And I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, you know, you're, you're a poster child in a way for fantasy on its surface is maybe frivolous or seemingly a waste of time, but it can help you engage in the world or engage with something you love in a more positive way, in a way that gives you more enthusiasm and anticipation and excitement. And isn't that what the draft is all about? Yes. And I remember that first conversation. I was at the, the Bills stadium in the press box for a, pre, a preseason game. So it was like the day, the day of a game looking out at the stadium as if we had that conversation. Well, Adam, you excited to uh, get into some of this stuff here? I know you Absolutely. are. Yeah. yeah. Was, uh, thanks for so much for coming on, Sig. This is. Like, are you in Hawaii, Sig? I mean, this is. I, in my mind, I'm always in. Hawaii. <laughs> I'm always down. I'm, I'm here in New Orleans. What's going to be? We got palm trees and banana trees down here, so it's kind of like Hawaii. Beautiful. Beautiful. Close enough. Well, I want to start with the concept of it being a so-called bad draft, mm-hmm. Sigmund. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I agree with the premise. Like, I think it assumes too much. I mean, I can certainly understand and appreciate an A prospect versus a B prospect or a class of A's versus a class of B's. But, you know, one example is I've heard a few times, I think, because in Buffalo, we're talking about wide receiver a lot. And people will say, well, there isn't a Justin Jefferson. Who was the fifth receiver taken Mm -hmm. in his class uh, a couple, three years ago now? So I don't know. Like, what do you think of the idea of a a bad draft or the premise and, you know, if it is yeah. bad, then it is. And where do we go from here if it is? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff. We could probably spend the rest of the show just on that, right? Um, and I'll add to Justin Jefferson since you brought him up. He was a slot only, right? Oh, well, what's he going to do if he's not lining up in the slot? 
that was one of the hesitations about Justin Jefferson. And I think that might be some of the hesitation about the top three wide receivers in this draft, right? Well, what are their roles? What are their application? We like AJ Green and Julio Jones. We like these big outside guys who can uh, dunk on number one cornerbacks and things like that. Um, but I think Cooper Cup in fantasy is showing us the way that a limited application receiver who might not be as sexy of a draft prospect can be very sexy indeed for fantasy football, right? So I do think that it's a bad draft in so much that if you do an apples to apples comparison, you know, Will Anderson isn't a Bosa brother. He's not Miles Garrett, right? Bryce Young isn't, I probably isn't Joe Burrow, maybe. He's definitely not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Andrew Luck, right? Um, just take your whatever position you want, right? Except so, running back. Right, except running back, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson is an Edron James kind of player. Uh, but now, if we turn that on its head and we say, what do we do with it? Uh, and then we're talking about fantasy football, right? We can weave that into our strategies uh, and know that maybe trading down is more than ever what we want to do because there's some vast plateaus of value. And we're going to have a lot of diversity of opinions. I was just saying this on a show. I just finished with the IDP show guys that you know, your running back six to 20 and my running back six to 20 and Adam's running back six to 20 are going to look very different. So when I'm on the board in the early fourth round of a rookie draft, then my, my, my running back seven might be there. Your running back, all three of us might have our, one of our top 10 running backs still there. So I think there's going to be a lot of incentive to trade down because it's a bad draft, because there's not a lot of consensus or players that truly stand out from the pack. Uh, and I think it's also going to give you the ability to have guys be kind of interchangeable, right? Um, you know, if you don't see a lot of separation, like I didn't, between, say, Flowers and Smith and Jigba and Addison. Uh, now, maybe we start to separate them when we see draft capital. Maybe we start to separate them when we see where they land. That's obviously very important. Uh, but you could, again, it, it can encourage you to trade down, uh, knowing that, hey, if you're trading out of the fourth or fifth pick and all three of them are there and you're trading down to number eight, this is like what we had last year with those top five receivers, right? Jamison Williams and his gambling habits notwithstanding. That it, it, you know where the tightness is and you know where the spread is and you can still take advantage of that. So I think compared to previous years, no, there might not be true blue chip type prospects. It's funny, like Jalen Carter is one of the only on the field. <laughs> you know, he's somebody that stands out as in any draft class, he probably would have been number one in his position based on the field. But even that gets complicated. Yeah, it's super interesting what you guys are talking about, especially, you know, the Justin Jefferson point about him being the fifth receiver taken. But you just never know, like, you know, the Bills traded Justin Jefferson technically for Stefan Diggs. Like, if they would have known that Jefferson was going to be there, would they have traded out of whatever they have traded that, that pick? So it's interesting. I think you're going to see a lot of trading this year because of, you know, even the Bills GM Brandon Bean right now says there's eight, he has eight or nine first round grades on these players. Which mm. do you move up mm. and get one of those guys? Do you move out? Like it's just such an interesting season, um, and that leads to interesting you know d dynasty drafts and hard to you know kind of rank these guys um, as far as like do you base them on do you base it on talent? Do you base it on landing spot? Do you base it on draft capital? Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be fun to kind of break that down as as the draft moves along. Yeah, and I think that just, um, and maybe smart organizations have been doing this all along, but this is a draft that's going to be conducive to, you just want to have more darts, 
you just uh, you just want to have more darts now in dynasty fantasy football you want to know roster size is important so you're essentially if you're piling up these later picks you're trading those players that are at the end of your roster so you want you know in more shallow rosters maybe more picks is a bad thing because how are you going to find spots we see this with some of the teams in the draft you know some teams can go into the draft with 13 or 14 picks and we can say well they can't possibly use all those picks because there's no way they can keep all those players that issue aside i think more darts is going to be the approach here and i think being more agnostic guys as i've done this now since 2005 putting together the bloom 100 um, I've become more agnostic about my own ability to separate where the NFL is wrong and the NFL is right. I do think we can be pretty objective about understanding which parts of a player's profile are hot zones for translating to fantasy production and which ones aren't. So that's where we can start to see uh, a gap between, say, NFL draft capital and you know Jalen Hyatt, I think, is a good example, guys. Jalen Hyatt might be the first wide receiver off the board, just like Henry Ruggs was, right? <laughs> Because of what he provides to an NFL team tactically is very important. How much of that translates to production? Maybe not as much as a Smith and Jigba who can be the next Cooper Cup and catch 100, 110, 120 balls every year. So I think we can be somewhat objective about that. And we start to understand how draft capital doesn't necessarily match up with fantasy value. But otherwise, I'm, I'm agnostic. And that's, again, why I think the more darts this year, the better. That is actually one of the hardest challenges for me but sort of in reverse of what you're saying is, is that trusting what I think I know. I mean, I sort of <laughs> always defer to the betting markets, you know, if it says that, sure. then it means that or other experts or consensus, you know, I like the thought experiment, the exercise of well, what's consensus. Well, why don't we just rank them like that? You know? So when am I right? When do I want to use what I think independently, what I thought before I sat down and opened my computer, that is a particular challenge. So in terms of like extra dart throws and all this, you know, the flat tiers in the first round, where is the line for you? Um, single QB and then also maybe super flex. Separate. Sure. And where, where is the line for you? But if, if I have pick X at the lowest, I'm good before yeah. the draft, which could change this a little at least. And then after which, after that line, I'm looking to dance a little bit. Yeah, and in the Bloom 100, this is always where I insert the IDPs, right? Because it's a mixed, it's, the ranking is for a mix. And that that's where I'll pivot because IDPs are more replaceable off of the waiver wire than offensive players in your dynasty leagues that use both sides of the ball. And I think it is around seven or eight. Uh, and I think that obviously Bijan Robinson is a cut above. However, I actually think Jameer Gibbs is closer to Bijan Robinson. If we're looking at a range of outcomes, than uh, the third player is to Gibbs. Okay, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that Austin Eckler is a perfect example of a path for a player who was never going to get 250 carries in a season to still be a top five overall fantasy commodity. And I think Gibbs can be that guy. And remember, Bijan Robinson, we'll see where he goes. You know, if Bijan Robinson goes to Chicago or Tampa Bay or Washington, Houston. Now, Philadelphia is interesting, and that's a name that keeps coming up, and it was one of his two official visits, along with Tampa Bay. Gibbs is going to land in a, probably a good offense, right? If Gibbs is a late first-round pick, as many are saying he will be, he's going to land in a good offense. He's going to land in a good organization. He's going to land in an organization that probably is creating more overachievers. And then you get to those three receivers, 
Um, and some people might have, and Quentin Johnson is just a, Quentin Johnson is more of like the boom bust flavor where the others are high floor, maybe lower ceiling, but if we're talking about strictly production in a point per reception format, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe that slot only player like Cooper Cup is showing us can still be a dominant player. Um, and then Anthony Richardson comes in. I'm not going to tell anybody that you shouldn't take Richardson number two if they want to take him number two. The, guys, the ceiling for Anthony Richardson is, well, we don't know. <laughs> the moon. We don't know. I mean, I was saying this on uh, my show with Cecil earlier today. He is the best athlete we have ever seen at the quarterback position. He, you know, he's Vernon yes. Davis at quarterback, right? Um, and you have really smart people like Will Hewlett, his private quarterback coach, saying this guy, the way he processes information, the way he learns from mistakes, the way he learns from struggle, he's got it, right? Matt Waldman, my uh, illustrious colleague, the last quarterback he pounded on the table for was Patrick Mahomes. He's pounding on the table for Anthony Richardson, right? So I, I think for fantasy, we don't know. For NFL, we don't even know what this guy's ceiling is. That's exciting. Oh, boy, do I get excited. Mike, you said you're sometimes you have trouble knowing when to trust yourself versus going back to the consensus of the betting markets. Remember, fantasy football is still about, well, I could be a better GM than that. I could make better decisions than that. So you have to put some of expressing yourself. And some of that could just be who gets you excited? Who gets you excited to watch? Remember, fantasy football at its essence is still about sharing in some other greatness, right? You get a little tiny piece of that when Marshawn Lynch launches himself into the end zone so who are the players you want to share that with uh but getting back to your question where the rubber meets the road i think that anthony richardson kind of represents that drop off wherever he goes in whether it's a one quarterback league or two quarterback league. bryce young could be very good in a super flex league i don't think he's that bad of a quote consolation prize and quentin johnston so again you know we're looking at six to eight maybe uh that's about where the drop off is and then after that, I mean, Cedric Tillman's a nice player, but still has a limited ceiling. Zach Charbonnet, Zach, I mean, guys, depending on where Zach Charbonnet goes, we could have anywhere from like eighth or ninth. He might not even be in the top 20 when we look at the destination and draft capital. So there's a lot more questions when you get outside of that top six, seven, eight. And, and again, I mean, if you want, even, even if someone had the number one pick and said, I'm going to take Anthony Richardson, then I would say, well, try to trade down to number two. But if not, <laughs> um, yeah, you do you because in the end, fantasy football is still about our mental health and like something to look forward to. And if that makes you really look forward to your fantasy team and managing it, go for it. Yeah, Anthony Richardson's super interesting. I mean, we're reading, I read today that, you know, some scouts and NFL people are like, his accuracy is so terrifying <laughs> that like it's so bad. So that, I mean, I do want to give that some credence. You know, is it bad enough to keep him off the field? That's all no. I'm concerned about. Like, is it right? If he's going to play, you're looking at at least Justin Fields, where he's going to run for 100 yards and a touchdown every, every every game, and that's wonderful for your fantasy team as long as he plays. So draft capital, I think, plays a big point um, where he lands, I think, for his long-term outlook. I mean, it was this time last year, the last two years with Jalen Hurts. Is he even, is he even the future of the Eagles? Mm -hmm. And now you you give him six, you know, Pro Bowl weapons and an elite offensive line, and now he's the highest paid player in the history of the league. So, I think where he lands, what players he gets around him will determine how quickly he is uh, a superstar. How quickly, at least, they can determine 
um, how, 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 how he is. And as far as tiers go, you know, I think I'm a little bit tighter on my, on my, on my tier. I mean, Bijan, obviously Gibbs, I like, and then it's just, there's so many question marks with like, I love Addison. I love Zay flowers, Jalen Hyatt. I think it depends on where they land. Like if you, like if Hyatt lands in Buffalo or Kansas city or um, a situation like that, where the, where the, with an elite quarterback, I think you could put Hyatt uh, up there. But I just landing spot to me will kind of determine my tier because a lot of these receivers outside of like like Jackson Smith and Jigba, great, fine. Quentin Johnston is another guy where, like you said, Sig, it's just his ceiling is so high, but his floor is so so low. If he ends up in like Houston, for an example, like man, what do you do with a guy like like that? He may never make it. So um, it's landing spot to me. But I I, I think five or six, four or five, six somewhere in there is probably my drop off obviously uh super flex would move the quarterbacks up a little bit higher right how about the tight ends so mm-hmm. sigmund in the pre-draft bloom 100 was kincaid nine or ten as right. your uh mm-hmm. right at tight end one um that you stand out a little bit for again fantasy wise at least kincaid over mayor maybe over Washington, you know, what, what's that difference for you? How prominent is it? And again, pre-draft here, why uh, favor Kincaid? It's a great difference. Well, I'll just quote Dame Brugler, who's as essential, absolutely essential, if you care about the draft over at The Athletic. And on my show last week, he said, Dalton Kincaid could be the best. It's arguable that he's the best pass catcher in this class, wide receivers included. That just stopped me in my tracks right there. Yeah. And I think that, again, it comes back to, okay, we can compare these players based on draft capital, but we then need to ask the question, why? Why did the team take them? Okay, Michael Mayer is going to be a two-way tight end. Michael Mayer is going to be more like an Austin Hooper, a Hunter Henry, a Dalton Schultz, where it's the two-way game, it's the high floor. And remember this, you know, guys, I really bristle when i hear people say well you're not going to lose your job if you're wrong they're going to lose their job why should we trust you over them that's not a good bias to introduce that's a bias towards safe picks right that's a bias towards players that are less likely to bust or players where you can easily point at well that's why i took them so high right so I think Michael Mayer is going to blend into the pack. I think that, you know, Sam Laporta out of Iowa, we love our Iowa tight ends. I know don't helmet scout, but geez, at a certain point, you have to say this program is good at developing this position, right? Uh, you know, we can look at even like Tucker Craft. Uh, th- these are players that might go a round or two after Mayer, but more of the reason they're going to go is because of their receiving ability. So you can kind of unpack almost like, on the fly, I would want to create this equation, right? What percentage of the draft capital is because of their blocking or because of how safe they are as a prospect? What percentage is because of what they can add as a receiver? Don Kincaid is going to go, he might be the number one tight end off the board, more on his receiving ability than his blocking ability. Darnell Washington, is a he's a tougher case because the other uh, tight end they have there, what's his name? Bowers. Bowers. That was the guy they were featuring. Could they have featured Washington or is Washington doomed to be Vernon Davis, right? Is he going to be someone that just adds so much as a blocker that even though he, Matt Waldman called him a broadsword in the 
RSP, which I love. <laughs> Again, if you love this talk, if you haven't just tuned out because this is too granular look, draft takes and scouting reports and you don't have Matt Waldman's RSP, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> you know, Darnell Washington could be a guy that catches 25 balls for 600 yards and, and eight touchdowns every year. But what's that really going to be worth for fantasy? And and the team that takes him maybe in the first round could still be happy with that. Yes, because he's a sixth tackle because he's blowing up guys in the run game. So so I, for what I'm doing at the Bloom 100 right now, before we introduce draft capital and before we introduce destination and starting to project is organization good. How is this organization planning on using him? Another thing I want to point out that Josh Norris always does a tremendous job on is parsing all those post-draft press conferences with the decision makers. They will actually tell us more about the thought process, what they were looking for, why they took a player over another player, or why they took a position and not another position. Uh, that's one of the times that you will get a lot of truth-telling out of these general managers and coaches. So we'll introduce all that stuff after the draft, but what I'm looking for right now is how much of what they offer to the NFL matters to us for fantasy. And I think in Kincaid's case, it's almost 100% of it. Yeah, it's so interesting. That's why this position is so – it takes so long to, to develop in the NFL and it, because it's such a nuance. Like you get a guy like Mike Gusecki, you know, he doesn't get the ball and doesn't play because he can't block. Then you get a guy like right. Donald Washington, he's too good of a blocker, so he's not going to go out and catch passes. It, the position is so nuanced. It, it really varies uh, immensely on what the team wants to do with the tight end. So, yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head with – like Donald Washington could be a first-round pick could catch 25 balls a year and he's Mercedes Lewis because he's such a good blocker and they, he's on the team for 10 years and they love him, but he just isn't a good fantasy player because he's such a good blocker. But you know, we'll see this. I do like this tight end class um, a lot too. Although like said, you talked about Bowers earlier, he's probably the best, he was probably the best tight end in college football last year and he's not even out yet, you know? So, um, but yeah, this is, this is a, I think teams are going to be happy with the tight end that they get in this, in this draft. I like Kincaid, Meyer, Musgrave and Washington for sure. Yeah. And I'd say just adding on to, it's going to be the same note I'm making after Kincaid, who I think stands out um, getting tight end seven at whatever the, cost is in your rookie draft is probably better than getting tight end two or tight end three uh, because people are going to put such weight on draft capital so that top seven or eight is pretty level so if you're just patient if you don't get Kincaid and you wanted to come away with a tight end just wait and chances are you're going to get even a guy like Zach uh, Kuntz out of Old Dominion who has this amazing athletic ceiling is he going to learn to play we'll see but I know if he does then what he does is going to matter for fantasy just want to say to the point about you won't lose your job, like a key element. I'm not sure how easy it is to figure this out team by team, but the owner doesn't lose his or her job. ever. <laughs> like when it comes to like, think of the Houston Texans right now, just like you're the fantasy owner, you could lose every year, but as long as you pay your money, you're still in it. The Houston Texans, <laughs> we don't know what they're going to do. And oh, well, the, will the owner be involved? Is the mm -hmm. owner involved in Caroline's decision? Well, Heck, if I owned a team, I would be. Like the quarterback, I'm talking about $40, $50 million annual contracts and face of the franchise, and I, I, I want it all. So mm -hmm. the the coach and the GM, thinking about the Jets here, like they, they did another thing, but you have teams where time is short. <laughs> what what difference does it make to them in three years if Richardson or Levis develops because they're, they're working for somebody else by then? So that, that is a real thing. I think in terms of front offices, like Frank Reich 
respectfully, Reich is a retread now in, mm-hmm. in Carolina, and he can't afford to lose there for two years. Like, that could be the end of his head coaching career. So who can I start week one uh, with the most confidence? And, you know, in Carolina's case, they have their pick. So really an important thing. I think, Sigmund, and you have to agree, like fans condescend to the idea that anybody but the football people has any have any business being in the room for these conversations. Like only the football people would know. Well, they're wrong a lot, and they're on the clock, you know, with their careers. Like it makes sense sometimes what turn out to be mistakes, why and how they get made. And they only talk to other football people, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a sense of a lack of different perspectives, and. I'm not going to name names. I've interviewed a lot of people over the years, and there are certain people that will tell you that I have a special knowledge that you can only get by climbing to the mountaintop, and you just wouldn't understand. And aren't you lucky that I'm sharing this very special knowledge with you right now? And other people that are saying, do you have a brain? Do you have eyes? Have you Are you a human being in the world? You too can learn and start to understand these things and it's not some special knowledge that only is available to a few that climb to the mountaintop and i think those are the people that make us all smarter about football i mean again i'm going to mention matt waldman and say if you get if you like this kind of stuff if you get an rsp you don't just get the rankings and the scouting reports if you just buy osmosis you'll understand how to weigh different things you know if you like to watch college players and try to project them to the pros you'll very quickly realize not every college play or every touchdown or every yard is equal when we're talking about what what's what's going to translate right and uh i think it's really fun i think that's why it's so many of us gather around this time of year right there's the draft and you're talking about uh before i came on i heard y'all talking like what are you gonna do for the draft yeah. the draft is when the true football degenerates and i don't mean that in the gambling sense i just mean that in the sense of like we can never consume enough we can never consume enough information we can never get enough perspectives the draft is where we always would meet up and this was our holiday and i i think that it, it, it the way these conversations have advanced over the last 18 years that I've been doing this is really wonderful because it's brought the cerebral side, the intellectual side. And at times like this, I always want to say the name Steve Sable. Uh, hmm. May he you know, rest in peace. He, we all owe something to him and his dad. NFL films. We all can probably remember our first exposure to the NFL films presentation of the NFL. And it wasn't presenting it as something you can get a gambling edge or you can win your fantasy league. It was just the, the scope, the epic cinematic drama but also Steve Sable was the first one to get into, hey, let's do a show where we talk about the, the more cerebral intellectual side of football. And they said, nobody cares about that. Nobody really wants that. And thankfully, he's been proven wrong or guys, we wouldn't be here doing this. Oh, we have to do another show on that now. <laughs> Rice Stadium, an empty <laughs> shell waiting to be filled with the sound of spectacle. Uh, so Super Bowl eight starts. I can almost memorize yeah. like yeah. Super Bowl five through 20 uh, or whenever Facenda died after 18. Anytime mm. you want, Sigmund, on that. Um, mm. Adam, if if you'll allow, we've got 10 minutes maybe at the most. Yeah. Um, the deep end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll count uh, Zach Kuntz as this answer in terms of tight end. <laughs> but running back wide receiver, like Adam and I are drafting all the time. What I'm doing, and I think Adam too, is whether it's underdog drafts or FFPC drafts, you get to like the 15th and 16th round. I just want an amalgam. I want different, mm-hmm. you know, Keaton Mitchells and McBrides mm-hmm. and, you know, Grays and all these guys. But I, I can't tell you that 
like any one of them is better off right now until the draft happens. You know, is that right? And are there any of those running backs first that um, you're especially keen on down probably Saturday picks or later even? Yeah, I think you're right. Keaton Mitchell's a great name. Um, you know, do you, do, I'll mention Josh Norris again and how he introduced where he wins to the draft lexicon. And when a running back where he wins is speed, right? Where he wins is big place. Those guys can find their way to the field. I think you're right to say that you just sprinkle a lot of different seeds around pre-draft and then let's see where they land because you've got, let's take someone like James Robinson, right? Uh, where he landed was important because you could identify, okay, there's a path to, for him to get on the field right away. And I think that's where we're going to look at some of these guys. But I know another Matt Waldman favorite in that same um, vein was Jaleel McLaughlin. And uh, McLaughlin, uh, I believe he said he has the the suddenness of an insect or a hummingbird. I love the word pictures, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of the reasons. I, so many people do great stuff with this. Uh, Dane Brugler, Lance line, just the way that they paint word pictures. Accelerates with the light suddenness of a hummingbird or an insect. He's out of Youngstown State. Um, yeah, a wide receiver. I'm always, I'm a throwback here. So I'm always going to look for the size speed guys. Uh, like Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia. Matt Landers is interesting because of the size speed. Uh, sometimes teams will be really excited. Uh, Titan, I want to toss another name out there real quick, Jaleel Billingsley. And I'm just interested if he's going to make a team because he was an Alabama recruit and he ended up at Texas, got suspended, left the team. But he has the stuff that we care about for fantasy football if he can actually stick on a roster. There's a lot of quarterbacks for your super flex leagues out there. This is actually a pretty rich draft for third-day prospects who could at least become a starter for some point in their career, at least be like Taylor Heineke at some point, like Stetson Bennett. Clayton Toon's interesting, this big game experience and his running ability. Um, I think that uh, Jake Hayner, you know – What's the what's the thing that we keep hearing about Jake Hayner, guys? Oh, if he was just bigger. Oh, if he was just more. Oh, if he just had this. Those quarterbacks almost always overachieve. Mm -hmm. And sometimes teams are like, well, I guess we have to start him. He's our best quarterback. Jake Hayner could be one of those guys. So there's a lot of place in super flex drafts, especially, I think, where you could hit with late round picks. Yeah, I don't. Um, man, I tend, especially in these fa fantasy drafts, I. Again, a lot of that landing spot, a lot of that type stuff, you know, if you're doing a, a rookie guide, it's always nice to have all that type of stuff. But for, you know, for drafts, like you were saying, Mike, we're always trying to, to diversify and all that. I, right now, I'm probably as deep as like Kendra Miller, maybe like RB11, mm -hmm. RB12 for the rookies here. Like, you know, I like him. I like Roshan Johnson, you know, again, landing spots, um, willing and, 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 and we'll see what teams, teams might like some other running backs. Better, better than that. Um, some, some later I received, and again, I say later, I don't even know who knows when these guys are going to get drafted, but I, I noticed that Keishan Boutte has, has dropped a lot. Uh, you know, he was a, supposed to be a big guy and then he kind of bombs the, you know, combines and stuff like that. And, and so I've kind of been off of him, but some guys I do like Marvin Mims had such a wonderful, I mean, he was a high school superstar, you know, he was a college, I mean, he had a great co college career again, undersized, you know, I wish he was bigger, faster, stronger, all that type of stuff. But Maybe not faster, but um, he's the type of guy that could that could surprise. Cedric Cedric Tillman dealt yeah. with injuries, high blows up last year. Tillman's kind of an afterthought. Tillman's a six two six three size size guy. So I think there's some guys here that um, that you can kind of reach a little bit deeper for than just your you know top three guys. And I think you might be able to find some uh, traction there. 
I think one challenge in these drafts is whether to prioritize any of these names over backups on teams that are even maybe only one year into the league. Like a partner of mine and I have had conversations like, so what is Zamir White's value right now? What is Isaiah Spiller's value right now? You know, guys that a year ago we were talking about just like this. Like, would you rather have a probably drafted on Saturday rookie uh, or even undrafted, which hits sometimes, is like is one year of not much enough to write off those guys relative to you know these kind of rookies we're naming Sigmund. I think that you're better off erring on the side. Well, let me put it this way: in trades, more people will want the pick than the player, right? Um, I do think you're right to bring up the idea of how do we view these players at this time last year? Because last year there was also that thick tier of guys, Damian Pierce emerged, and you could have identified Damian Pierce after the draft as one with a more direct road to some playing time. But Zamir White was a guy I had at the top of that tier because I thought, well, the new regime in Vegas is showing us their hand. They, he's not part of their future plans. Yet here we are, and he's played himself back into being part of their future plans. So I think that uh, these things are subject to change, but I do think that uh, Zamir White, Isaiah Spiller, uh, I would rather have the allure of the unknown than the known where, hey, the Chargers have been struggling to find somebody to emerge as that second running back. I think they may go to the well again this year. I think the Raiders, I think that's the other thing is that we're going to say, I always like to say teams tell the truth during the draft. Teams like to lie, but when you put that name on that card, you're telling the truth about something. And they're going to tell us what they think about the players currently on the depth chart, right? I think Rashad White was another player in that tier last year, and his value has grown. I think I would imagine Rashad White's worth more than Damian Pierce at this point. Sell him. Like, if you can hear him yeah. out of my voice, and it's not Thursday yet, because <laughs> Bijan Robinson could end up being a Tampa Bay Buck. I think that's as far as he'll fall in the first round. Um, so teams are going to tell us what they think about the players currently on their roster. And I think more of those guys we're going to look at in a, a diminished light than feeling like, oh, actually, the Browns like Jerome Ford more than we think actually more and more they like more than we think well sp- speaking as we wrap here once again of like what we do for the draft and i know our yeah. friends at player profiler will also be going live during the draft billy muzio and others that we've worked with will be out there but sigmund that's been a football guy's tradition too yeah. I mean, to be on during the drafts and you know i doubt this will surprise you but i have fully moved over to having fantasy analysts be my you know my guys on on draft night to listen to throughout the weekend as much time as I can devote to it. So um, what specifically you want to tell us your, your plans are. Yeah. I don't know how long we've been doing the pretty much since YouTube was part of the fantasy media uh, suite of things that we put out there, but we are live through the entire first round, Matt Waldman, Jason Wood and I, and then we have different guests coming through at different points in the night uh, from fantasy community, adding in their perspectives. And it really comes back to, like you were saying, Mike, it's being around people, being around people that are excited as you are about this and um, I still think fantasy football at its essence, we've talked about this before, Mike, is about connections to other people and maintaining and cultivating and nurturing those connections. And the draft time is a great time to do that. So I'm just excited that Jason and Matt want to hang out with me 
<laughs> during the draft in mm-hmm. addition to whoever shows up with us and then uh and then we spend years dissecting it all and reflecting on it all so we'll be on our football guys youtube channel if you check out the bloom 100 football guys there's a link in the opening paragraph and it, you know it's it's fun and what else is fun guys is that back when i started doing this in 2005 with the first bloom 100 when I, I went to my first shrine game practices in 2006 for senior bowl in 2007 it was still like it was like a subculture of a subculture you know <laughs> Yep. And now it feels like we, we are all stimulated by this because I feel like the draft is wonderful for football conversation because every topic imaginable, you can get there from the draft, right? What matters when you win? What matters the positions, the schemes, the way the game is going, where you invest in the salary cap, character, measurables, you, you name it, coaching, player development. And there's, there's so many more of us just love these conversations it's so stimulating there's so many smart people the smart side of football it all intersects with the draft and that's why it's fun to get to hang out for three four hours and react in real time right on adam you ready i'm ready i'm ready i i just want to know if sig's coming to the ff expo this year in canton so we can finally chop it up there come on one of these years i mean i got it <laughs> when james harrison gets inducted into the hall of fame you'll Maybe. be there it's gonna you know every we all we should all have at least one player that you say if he gets inducted into the hall of fame i'm driving to canton so mike evans for Adam. Uh, he's already there he's already there <laughs> well, he, we, one of the first things i remember like one of the first hot takes I, I remember from adam is mike evans is going to the hall of fame like two or maybe even three years ago and then we went to the expo and adam and i went to the hall of fame and like his shoes were in there or mm. something. There was some that's right. exhibits. So uh, <laughs> mission accomplished, I guess. But that's like, is it the week after the induction ceremony, Adam? Or just about? Uh, it might be the, yes. It's either the week after or the week before. But it's very, very okay. close. All right. Well, it would be uh, fair if Sigmund said back to you, like, when, when are you guys coming to New Orleans? Well, yeah. Especially that's before we get washed into the golf, come down and get right. yourself some gumbo, dance, Ooh, let your hair down, maybe have a night where you don't really remember how you ended up where you woke up. That's what we're here for. <laughs> that's right. Different from the expo in some ways, not all, some ways. but in yeah. some ways. Sigmund, uh, just have a, a lot of respect for you, as you know, and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks. Always look forward to it. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst with our guest, Sigmund Bloom. Thanks for watching and listening. Spotify, iTunes for hit the subscribe button. Follow us, Twitter, DeepEndFF1. Enjoy the draft, and we will see you next week. See you guys. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.